Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you today. Uh, Did you have a good weekend so far? Okay, good. There's about 15 of you. It's getting better. Don't worry. Um, If it's your first time with us today, hey, thanks for coming out, um, being part of us today. I know you could be anywhere else, but you chose to be here, so we appreciate that. Um, I want to share with you a couple of things before I get going today, because uh, they're just good. Good reports are always good to hear. Um, You know, I've been asking you guys the last, I don't know, three weeks or whatever it is, to pray about what you want to give towards uh, current life services. You know that one? Remember that one? Well, as a church, uh, all of us together, we um, combined giving from here to help them was over $16,000. So praise the Lord that you know, we gave that money uh, to save babies in the womb. And um, I, I really honestly, I honestly don't care about this, what I'm going to say next, but just so you know, I think that's 11th Street, 12th Street years that we've been number one of giving of all churches, organizations in Corona for current life services. So you, you guys have do, do great in that area right there. But I also want to point out another, uh, one of our other ministries here at New Beginnings, our student ministries, um, there was a side fundraiser for current life services, and that was a diaper uh, fundraiser. And our student ministries, they donated over 3,200 diapers to current life services for, you know, singles moms. And, uh, you know, Robert Royal led that one. And families, you guys came through. And I know you families probably paid for it, not your kids. But, you know, because diapers are expensive. Any amens on that one right there? Yeah, they are. <laughs> I heard a big amen somewhere here. But uh, uh, so today we're going to, uh, as we continue in Galatians chapter 3, Paul has been defending salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And this is the big battle in the, Galatia's not a city, it's a region, but in the Galatian church. And you have to keep it in the box of salvation for it to make sense. You don't, can't move it out. Salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And Galatians 3, we're going to we're going to hit that one again. Paul's going to bring up some brilliant defense, and the title of this one is Paul's Defense of Salvation by Grace Through Faith. I want to begin by moving to a different book, and just we'll put it up on the screen. Go ahead on the screen, please. Paul wrote this also. Paul's a New Testament writer, and he said this. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not as a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship and by the way workmanship is the idea of poem a poem like God's creating the poem of your life creating Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we, sh- that we would walk in them now Paul He comes out in Ephesians and he says that our salvation is by grace, the grace of God. God stooped down to come to us through faith, our faith, and that none of us could do any good works to somehow 
save ourselves or somehow erase sin. It's just a gift from God. There's nothing you can do, nothing I can do about it except put my faith in Jesus and access that salvation. I added verse 10 in there so you can see how it progresses that after you're saved, you're saved, but after salvation now, once you're saved, you start doing good works. Not to be saved, but after you're saved. We know that Jesus in the book of Acts, it says of him that um, he went around doing good deeds. He's a good deed doer. And you and I are supposed to be good deed doers. Now, that's not the only thing we're supposed to be, but that is one of the big deals that we're supposed to be right there, good deed doer. But the whole issue is this battle that's going on in the early church, especially in Galatia, there are people coming in now, and guys, this is always going to happen as long as there is church and church is people, and we are the evidence of the kingdom of God on earth. But as long as there is that, there will be attacks upon church people in, in the framework of lies coming in to try to distort the gospel. Amen? And Paul is, he's, he's fighting this. Because there are now Judaizers, we talked about this, they're coming in, and as it pertains to our salvation, they're trying to add stuff. And they're adding that, well, you're not really saved unless you obey the, the laws and do the works of the law, and that's 613 laws. And as a man, you must be circumcised. You got to do those or else you're not really saved. And so now they're bringing stuff in and attaching that to salvation. And so Paul comes along and he begins to fight these things and battle these things. Because, and by the way, he don't put up with it for one second. He comes and he's trying to stomp this thing out quick because what's happening is they're blending. Now listen closely. One of the things as a pastor, Bible teacher, shepherd of a local flock, and I'm watching in America now, little places, places here and there, they're, they're starting to blend stuff. They're starting to allow certain ideologies to come into the church, and they're making it sound like it's gospel. It's not everywhere, but it is in some places. And it is spreading. And I do keep my eye on it. And this has always been the attack of the enemy. One of the places that I think, if I share, let me share with you, that you would, could see and understand how the blending comes in is, remember when Moses and the people came out of Egypt and they crossed the, the, the Red Sea, remember that? And they come to Mount Sinai and Moses goes up to the mountain to get the commandments, to get the law. He's up there for 40 days. The people think that he's dead. He, he's died. And so when the spiritual leader is dead, then these people now are left to their own devices and they're going to do what they want to do. Now, you've got to understand that they've been slaves for 400 years. And now, in 1446 B.C., they leave Egypt. 
Now, what do you do with all this freedom and no spiritual head? You don't know what to do. And you've been a slave all your life, and now you don't know what to do with freedom. And so what do they do? They decide, well, let's make a God to lead us. And people can make anything into a God, anything into an idol. You can make a person, you can make a car, you can make a collection, you can make yourself into a God. You can worship yourself above God. It's easy to. It's not hard. And so they decide to make a golden calf. And once they make the calf, once Aaron, Moses' brother, makes it, they announce, this is the God who brought you out of Egypt. Now, how dumb is that, right? But that's what they say. Now, once they finish this idol and start to worship it, it's interesting that this, and this is the Hebrew terminology, that they sat down to play. Well, it means this sexual orgy begins to break out. Is that crazy or what? Why does that happen? Well, this bull god, this calf god in Egypt, is the god of fertility, kind of sexual prowess. And so they take on the characteristics of what they're worshiping. See, whatever you worship, you become like. Any amens? That's why it's important to worship the right thing, Jesus Christ, the Holy One. Now, as, as they sit there, you've got to understand the story. They make the statement, this is the God who led you out of Egypt. But then they also announce that tomorrow we will worship the Lord our God. Back to Yahweh again. So they're not eliminating Yahweh God. They're blending him. They're blending him with a false idol. And this has been the danger from the beginning. It's always been there. This infiltration of non-truths being brought in to the church, this blending. Now I say that to say this before I get into this. As a follower of Christ, we have to really know what the truth says. Any amens on that? I mean, I'll harp on you and harp on you. Read your Bible, study your Bible, grow in that Bible. It's important. Jesus is talking to Pontius Pilate. And Jesus says, whoever is of the truth Here's my voice. Pilate mocking, he says, what is truth? In other words, <laughs> there's no truth. But Jesus says, who's ever of the truth, here's my voice. And we know that Jesus is the truth. And so, just as a side application, we always have to be careful of this blending. Things that are trying to invade into the scriptures, and they don't jive with the scriptures. And so you have to be careful with ideologies that come along. Many of them in our day exist right now. And they've always existed throughout the ages, different ideologies. And you've got to be careful with these because they can sound really good on the cover, right? But you've got to go beneath them and see what they really mean, what they really stand for. Because, ladies, how many of you have ever dated someone that the cover looked good? <laughs> but then when you got to know the chapters, it's kind of like... Am I right? That's the same thing with ideologies. They sound good. Their phrases sound good, but you got to read beneath it. I read beneath it. And I want to see what they believe. Does that line up with the truth of God's word? Because Paul instructed me and you in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we are destroying speculations and everything raised up against the knowledge of God. I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We know that, right? I'm not wrestling humans, but I do wrestle against the ideologies brought in through humans. 
I do stand up against the lies of the enemy that try to blend in with the scriptures. So you've got to be very, very careful. That's what Paul's standing up against. He's saying no, and he's going to come hard with great reasons. Great reasons. And that's why I cannot beg you enough, study your Bible, bring a Bible to church, get into this thing. Just stay, if you're new to the Bible, stay in the New Testament for a couple years, but start to grow. You have responsibility because we are called to be workmen who need not be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth. Study to show yourself approved. That's what we're supposed to do. And as a parent or grandparent, you have a greater responsibility. You've got to give it to these kids. You've got to give them the truth. You've got to give it to your grandkids. This has got to come from you. It just can't come from me or Robert in the classes or the class back here. It's got to be a combined effort of all of us together because they are being infiltrated with so many ideologies that just are lies and they are not truth. And Paul comes and he, he's coming hard on this one. And now he's going to give us three reasons as he stands up for salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That you are saved not by what you do, not by any works of the law, not by being circumcised, not by any, you're saved by your faith in Jesus Christ. And by the way, then when you put, well, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself, I'm going to preach my message, let me back up. So Paul's fighting him. And I'm going to give you three things today. Three reasons that Paul did, and they're brilliant. How many have you ever read, you read Paul's writings? He's brilliant, isn't he? I wish I was that brilliant. But he's brilliant, and he's recognized by uh, atheist and skeptic New Testament scholars as a first-class class, brilliant mind, brilliant philosopher, brilliant writer. He's recognized that way. They see it, and they're not even believers in, in Christ. Now, with that said, here comes three things that Paul says as he stands up against them. First, number one, his first reason, he says, flesh cannot birth spirit. As they're fighting back or maybe pushing back against him, he's coming with reason number one, why it's salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. He says, flesh cannot produce spirit. And for those of you new to church, when you were born again, the spirit of God came to live in you. Amen? And that's what he's talking about, but let's get into it. Look at verse one through five. In Galatians chapter three, New Testament, he says, and here he, how many, I love Paul because he don't pull any punches. He's straight to the face, right? Anybody? He says, look, he says, you foolish Galatians. What a way to start, huh? Who has bewitched you? We'll get to those two words after I read all five verses. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. You guys know the crucifixion. You know what Jesus did, he's telling them. Verse two, this is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? It's question number one. Or by hearing of faith? Question two. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are now being perfected by the flesh? Question three. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Question four. So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you, do it by the works of the law? or by the hearing of faith. Now, let me back up before I get into those five, what, four questions. He, he says, at the beginning, he says, you foolish Galatians. You know what foolish means? It literally means you unintelligent people. 
That's what he's telling them. And then when he says in the right same line, he goes, who has bewitched you? That means who has given you a false presentation? In other words, somebody's come in, you unintelligent Galatians, and you have fallen for a false presentation. Let me give you the Jim Dale Campbell translation. You are dumb and dumber. <laughs> Amen? That's what he's telling these guys. Now, here's the four questions, and I need to read the four, and then I'm going to come down and I'm going to walk around because I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, the ankle's feeling better, not perfect, but okay. But let me give you the four questions again. Watch this. In verse 2, he says, did, there, and watch. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law? Rhetorically, the answer is no. Don't be a, don't be afraid to answer. Okay. Okay. Second question in verse three says, "Can you become perfect before God by your own works?" Rhetorically, the answer is there's no way, huh? The third question: Did you suffer all this persecution by the Jews for nothing? Now, let me tell you what he's telling them. The Jews have persecuted you, the ones who don't believe in Jesus. And you've been living this, and they're persecuting you. Was that all for, was that a waste of time? Was it a waste of time now, this? Come on, guys, you didn't wake up. And they're, can you see their faces right now? Oh, he's making, he's making sense, yeah, that makes sense. And then the fourth question is this, from verse five. Did Jesus do miracles by faith or by works of the flesh? And the answer is, survey says, by faith, that's right, huh? Now, so this is why he's calling them a bunch of dummies. And so I want to take question number one, which is, did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law or by faith? And so now, I'm going to come down there, okay, uh, Dean? So here's the first question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law, meaning keeping all the laws, or by faith? The real question is, can flesh, works of the law, what I can do, can that produce spirit? And the answer is, no, it can't. No, it can't. Now watch what John, in the Gospel of John, watch what he says. Because he says something that really ties this, magnifies it, enforces it. Look at John 1, verse 12 and 13. And John says, but as many as received him, him is Jesus, to them, he gave the right to become children of God, because you've received him. Even to those who what? Believe in his name. Keep it right there, John. And the word believe, just for the sake of clarification, so we don't get this wrong, it's not somebody who just says, well, I believe there's a God. That's not going to get you anywhere. That means nothing. Just so, I want to set the record straight, because we live in such a deluded society, deluded in their idea of God and salvation, even in Christian circles. Sorry. No, to believe, the Greek word pistis, it means you're going all the way in. It means that you're at the deep end of the pool and you jump in two feet first. It means you hop on the yellow brick road and you're going all the way to the Emerald City and you're not hopping off. It means you've surrendered to God. Jesus Christ is your earth. That's what it means. This is no haphazard, well, yeah, I can believe in God and do it. Sorry, that's not what it means. Now, to those who've received Jesus and who believe in his name, jumped all the way in by faith, you now have a right. And your right is you are a child of God. Any amens on that? Now, now watch. 
There are no works or effort involved there, just belief. Now look at verse 13. Now he goes to the other side. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh by effort, nor of the will of man, but of God. In other words, can I be saved by my own effort, by my own works? And the answer is no. Settle it, guys. Settle it. You cannot do things to save yourself, be more saved, be saved er, be saved est, be saved whatever. I can't do anymore. I don't remember. I ran out of some. So, in other words, flesh cannot produce spirit. Good, good, good. Flesh can't produce spirit. Now, watch what Jesus says. He enforces it even further in John 3. He, first off, before I read it, he's talking to a guy by the name of Nicodemus. Nick comes to him by night, so we call him Nick at night, just for the sake of it, okay? No, we don't call him that. Just... Okay, so Nicodemus is a very, 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 very religious man. He is called the teacher of Israel, not a teacher of Israel, the teacher of Israel. And so here's a guy who has grown up, he's ingrained in the idea that you are right before God by what you do, by keeping the laws, by circumcision as a male. This is what he believes. He comes to Jesus that one night, and he comes to Jesus and says, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do the things that you do unless God is with them. Jesus, boom, hits him and says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine the shock in this guy's mind? He's just blown away. Well, Jesus, just so you don't under, so you understand how intense that interaction is, Jesus just told him, unless you're born again, Nick, and I know you got all these things that you do that make you think you're right with God, unless you're born again, you will end up in hell. That's what he just told him. Can you imagine the smack in the face to that guy? And then they go on in the conversation. And then Jesus says this, and I want to pull this out for what we're talking about. He says, thou which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Flesh cannot produce. Only spirit can produce. We find this principle in Genesis 1 in the creation record that like only produces like, right? Things produce after their own kind, and that's it. They cannot produce a whole new species which really rubs it in the face of evolution, of which there is no evidence for evolution whatsoever. It's all theories and speculation and make-believe and fantasy and myth and everything else. Because if that was true, and we've been evolving, for those of you new to New Beginnings, and if we've been evolving for millions and millions and millions and millions of years, wouldn't we be digging up all kinds of in-between species in our yard? They can't even find anything. They can't find a bug. They find a chimpanzee, and they go, oh, six billion years ago, this was my ancestor. No, it's your ancestor. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. You know, it gets me, they go, oh, 50 million years. Really, 50 million? Did anybody take a Kodak of that one? Were you there? What, what's going on here? And then you, and people believe them. Come on, the arrogance of man. Well, I don't even know where I'm at anymore. Where am I at? I went off. Okay, Jesus said, unless one is, uh, flesh can't produce spirit. Let's leave it at that one, okay? Let's leave it right there. I can't go back and rehash. Okay, that's his first reason. Now, let me give you the second one. It gets even He's brilliant. Reason two, Abraham was justified by faith before the? Yeah. Now he's going to lay it down, man. 
So they go, they're bringing in law before salvation through Jesus. And Paul says, oh, you want to go back in time? Then let me take you way before the law. Let's go back there. Now, watch what Paul says to them, 3, 6 through 9. says this, even so Abraham believed God. He takes him to Abraham. And it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Do you understand that statement? Abraham is the father. He's the first Hebrew. He's the beginning of the nation of Israel. He was an idol pagan worshiper. And God reveals himself to Abraham. And here comes Abraham. And Abraham believes God. By the way, Hebrew, he's the first Hebrew. The word Hebrew literally is the idea it means to cross over he crossed over into the promised land from Ur of the Chaldees that's what Hebrew means therefore be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham whoa Abraham believed God it was reckoned to him as righteousness same covenant as you and I and he says only the people of faith are in covenant with Abraham then he says the scripture foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. That's all. If you're not Jewish, you're Gentile. That's us. Preach the gospel beforehand, Abe. Stop! The gospel? Beforehand? To Abe? The gospel back then? Yeah. Saying all the nations will be blessed in you, Abraham. Verse 9. So then those who are of the faith are blessed with Abraham, the... He's a believer, like you and I. Now... Okay, so Paul takes him back in time. Okay, I'm gonna take you on a, can I take you on a biblical journey? Yes. Okay, I know I can take you on a biblical journey. Okay, I know you, you love that scripture. So I'm gonna take you on. Go to Genesis chapter 15. Because that's where Paul took them. He takes them back in time. He says, you wanna go back to the law? You wanna go back to circumcision? I'll take you farther back. I'll take you back to Abraham. You guys know Abraham, right? They go, yeah, we know Abraham. He's the first Hebrew. Well, let's go back there. Okay. Now this, let me preface it by saying this is where God is now making covenant with Abraham. This is where some of the things Paul is quoting. Now, I'm going to go verse by verse for about 13 verses. I can't go deep. It's not a Tuesday night verse by verse. So I've got to kind of hit and run and some things I'll hit because I just can't help myself. Verse 5. And he, God, took him outside and said, this is David speaking to Abraham, now look toward the heavens and count the stars. If you, Abraham, are able to count them, and he said to him, God said to Abraham, so shall your descendants be. Stop, hold it there, John. Does Abraham have any kids? I have a kid. Can his wife have kids? No. How many of you who love the desert or love the mountains, you go out there and there are no city lights? and it's just dark and you go out at night and you look up toward the sky what do you see? oh man do you see stars it's incredible what you see in the night sky there are so many stars up there that we don't get to see here because we're covered by city lights so he says you see all those stars? because remember this is the Middle East and they don't have electricity he doesn't have any flashlights he says look up and all these stars and he goes, that's the way your descendants are going to be. In other words, it's innumerable. You're going to have so many, of which we are that part also. We are one of those stars. Now, verse 6. Then he believed in the Lord. Here it comes. He believed, Abraham, believes in the Lord, puts his faith in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as? 
righteousness. You and I, when we put faith in Jesus, we became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Same covenant, same covenant. Verse seven. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans. Ur of the Chaldeans means flame of destruction. To give you this land to possess it. I brought you out to give you a land. Stop, look at me, somebody. Do you remember the moment God brought you out of that old flaming lifestyle, the old sin lifestyle? Any amens? amens? But he brought you out to bring you in somewhere. Any amens? And he'll always bring you out to bring you in somewhere. God doesn't bring you out to leave you hanging. He brings you out to bring you into a better place, and that's in every facet, every pocket of your life. That's what God does. But you have to obey him. It can't be your terms. Verse eight. He said, oh Lord God, how may I know that I will possess it? It's a, it's, a, it's a great question you and I would ask. He said, okay, God, I hear what you're telling me, but how do I know that this is going to happen? How do I know it's true? We all would ask that, right? How, how, do I, how do I know? Because right now, God, I don't have any kids. Right now, we've been trying for decades. We can't have kids. There is no growth. God, we are dead down here. How will I know? Next verse. So he, God, said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old female goat and a three-year-old ram. Three is the number of God. It's a trinity. And a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Verse 10. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two. He cuts them in half. And laid each half opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds. Hold that for a second. Now, Here's what happens. He cuts them all up. They're all separated and, and forms this pathway between the sacrifice animals. Now, interesting side note, the picture, this is a free one. Now you have sacrifice and bl shed blood. Any amens? Does that remind you of anything? The covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, sacrifice on the cross, sheds his blood. But that's another story for another time. And now they have to, in the covenant, they have to walk through these things together. That forms the covenant. And if you break the covenant, you, you die. It's, it's only upon death. That's why marriage is a covenant. Okay, now notice he didn't cut the birds. Verse 11. Now some different birds come along. Birds of prey, in other words, these kind of like dead stuff. They came down upon the carcasses and Abram drove them away. Notice Abram, not Abraham. He's not Abraham yet. Abraham means father of the peoples. He doesn't have any kids yet. Stop, back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. There you go. There's a free one now. So birds of prey come. What does Abraham do to the birds of prey? Drives, Drives them away. Now think, Bible students, New Testament, Jesus tells the story of the kingdom of God. And he says the kingdom of God grows up like a big tree. And birds try to nest in the big tree. So now you go back to birds in, a in Genesis to see about these birds. Abraham drives them away. They're birds of prey. They are death. New Testament, birds, birds, birds. Death, false doctrine, tries to come in and nest in the tree of the kingdom of God. Amen? And that's what we're trying to drive out right now. That's what Paul's trying to drive out, the birds, the false teaching. Okay, now we can move on, John. Now when the sun was going down, it's getting late in the afternoon, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. How many of you now are at the age now, about five o'clock, you're like this? Anybody? Okay. Okay. And behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. So he, he fell asleep. This is all going on. And now he has a dream. God gives him a dream. And Middle Easterners believe in dreams, trust me. 
Muslims are getting saved because Jesus is appearing to them in their dreams. Did you know that? Did you know that? Yeah, it's happening. So great darkness fell upon him. Now, he's asleep. Next verse. God said to Abram, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. We know what he's talking about. When they go into Egypt and they're slaves for 400 years, they go in there about 1850 somewhere BC and they're there till 1446 BC. We know that. And they're there 400 years. Now, verse 14. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve. And afterward, they will come out with many possessions. They come out and the Egyptians give them gold and silver. Just get out of here, man. And they use the gold and silver. God has that happen because later on, the gold and silver will be needed in building and the utensils of the temple of God. So God bless them to bring the blessing back to build the house of God. That's what's happening. So they come out. Verse 15. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You'll be buried at a good old age. And by the way, for those who don't believe the Bible, these prophecies of them going into slavery, this is happening like about 150 years before it actually happens. He says, you're going to live a long life, Abe. You're going to be here at good old age, man. And you can, by the way, I know you don't see it now, you're going to have a bunch, you're going to have kids, and you're going to have so many descendants, and here we're all right here, spiritually. Verse 16. Then in the fourth generation, question how many years were they enslaved in Egypt? 400. Now in the fourth generation, that makes a generation to 100. They will return here for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. Stay right there, John. Here's a quick side one for you end timers. How many end timers here? Like the end time stuff? I, if only three, I don't have to say anything. Any, how, anybody? Oh, now you raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> so now we find that a generation is not 40 years, it's 100 years. Now that's interesting to me. Because when Jesus says in Matthew 24, around verse 36, that when you see the fig leaf produce leaves, you know the summer is near. And then he says, this will be the last generation of earth. That's amazing because most commentators believe the fig leaf putting forth leaves is the nation of Israel on May 14, 1948, becoming a nation miraculously again. And so if you had 100 years in 1948, you come to 2048. And so it could be telling us that we're close we're close to rapture, return of Christ, all those things, because are we not living in insane times? Now, before you get too far in that one, know that the Roman Empire times was even worse than we are now. They were worse. But then he says the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. God gave 400 years. They were in Egypt 400 years, so the people in the land they're going to possess, the Amorite, these Canaanites, he gave them 400 years to repent of their sin. You know what their big sin was? They're taking their babies putting it on the burning arms of Molech alive and the babies were burning alive as a sacrifice to Molech and their screams were drowned out by beating drums they were murdering their babies and God says enough is enough I'm done now he gave them 400 years I don't know how many years he will give America for the sins that we're committing by the the assassination of human life in the womb now read on verse 17 it came about when the sun had set that behold it was very dark behold there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between these pieces 
Now God, when he led Israel, he was a fire and he was smoke, was he not? So here comes God passing between the pieces. Verse 18. On that day, the Lord made a covenant. There it is. This is the covenant moment between God and Abraham. And here's what he said. He says, saying to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. So God forms the covenant. And here it begins. Abraham, in a sense, is saved by what he believes, not what he does. Not by the works of the law. Not by circumcision. Now watch this. Look at me. You got to look at me. Because I'm going to do tricks. No, I'm not going to do that. In Genesis 15, here's what Paul is telling him. Here's the covenant between Abraham and God. Ten years later, in Genesis 17, circumcision is now instituted as the covenant sign between man and God. 400 and some years later the law is given did you just follow that yes or no Paul says before the law before circumcision back here in the covenant moment with Abraham he was saved by what he believes can you imagine the mic drop moment there? Paul just goes, later. What could they say to that? What a brilliant reason. And it's not just brilliant, it's true. It's absolutely true. That you and I are saved by what we believe, by the grace of God, not what we do. And you never attach anything to salvation. Now, that's the second reason. The third reason is even better. Reason number three, Jesus did what none of us could do. Any amens on that? Now watch Paul's reasoning. It's great. Galatians 3, 10 says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under a, say curse. Oy. For it is written. Now he goes, he said, this is what's written, guys. Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform. Stop right there, John. In other words, if you just commit one sin, you violate one of God's laws, you're cursed. Anyone here commit more than 30,000 sins in life? Raise your hand. I want to know. Okay, good. The rest of you don't know where you're at yet. Okay. And I know some people say, well, I just keep the Ten Commandments. You couldn't even name the Ten Commandments. Come on. Thou shalt not eat ice cream after nine o'clock. I don't know. <laughs> you know so, so he said, you break one, you break them all. Therefore, you, you're living, every, every sinner, every one of us on the planet is a sinner for all of sin, fall short of the glory of God. We're all living in a curse. That's what he's telling us. This is Old Testament. Verse 11. Now that no one is justified by the law, by the works of the law, what you can do before God because we're all sinners is evident. It's obvious. For the righteous man shall live by... Oh, no works. Nothing I can do. I just got to believe. I put my faith in Jesus as the one who redeemed me, died for me on the cross, and that's, I'm declared righteous. But it gets better. Verse 12. However, the law is not of faith. In other words, flesh cannot produce spirit. spirit. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. 
But here's us. Verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Christ hung on a tree, the piece of wood, the cross. Verse 14. In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith and not what we do. There's a lot of talk of curse up there, right? Let me talk to you about the curse. It's Old Testament stuff. Hanging on a tree, capital punishment in that respect, was very, was not the normal way. But if you got hung on a tree as a form of capital punishment, if they strapped you up there, you were up there naked, so there's shame. You're exposed that, you're exposed to everyone, including your family, inherits the shame because that's your relative up there. They would leave you strapped up there and just let animals and birds come and just start picking at you and biting and eating away. People would say, if somebody died that way, it was capital punishment, that they were cursed of God. And we all live under the curse. But then here comes Jesus. And Jesus comes to earth. And it says, because you and I couldn't save ourselves, because you and I could never keep the law, someone had to come. And Jesus came to earth, and Jesus was the only one who could do it because Jesus never sinned, correct? Do you remember? How, how many of you, like Infinity War Endgame fans, right here? Raise your hand. Okay. Remember in Endgame? At the very end when it all looks lost and they're fighting over the gauntlet and Doctor Strange looks at Iron Man who's holding the gauntlet and he goes like this. Remember that moment? What's he telling him? That's the only way. Because earlier in the movie, Doctor Strange went in the future and he found, he went through 1,400,000 different variables and ways and they asked him, how many ways will work to overthrow this? And they said, just one. But he never says what that is until that moment when there stands Iron Man and he's got the gauntlet. He's got it on. And Dr. Strange goes, that's the only way. And Iron Man knows he's going to reverse everything, the curse of, of Thanos, but he's going to die. Snaps his finger and reverses it all. And people come back to life and all the things. You know the movie. But there's only one person who could do that. And Jesus is our guy. And he's the only one. He's the only one who could come and reverse the curse because he's the sinless one. When Jesus went to the cross, I want you to think about this. Was it dark that day? The sky went dark at noon. Was Jesus thirsty? Yes. Was Jesus in excruciating pain for six hours up there? Nonstop. Did Jesus experience separation from God the Father? Yes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You put those four together, what's that a picture of? It's hell. This is Jesus' description of hell throughout the Gospels. Dark, eternal thirst, constant pain, separation from God the Father. That's hell. 
And so Jesus is on the cross. Guess what he's doing? He's reversing the curse and he's living, taking hell upon himself so that anyone who puts their faith in him doesn't have to experience an eternal hell. Any amens? And he's the only one who could do it. He's the only one. Okay, let me tie it up. I gotta finish, okay. Let me try to finish this. Okay, I'm gonna try. How many of you have ever seen the movie Holes? Raise your hand. I wanna know. Is that a great movie or what? When I watch movies, I try to look at biblical illustrations. I just, I know I'm insane, but you know. But the movie holds. If you've never seen it, you gotta go watch this movie. So I'm gonna give you some, but I won't ruin the whole thing. No, I guess I am. (laughs) So there's this guy named Stanley, and they're teenagers. And Stanley is accused of stealing a certain athlete's tennis shoes. Yeah, sweet peas, you're right, sweet peas. He still, and, and so he goes on trial and they convict him. And Stanley is sent to a detention center for teenagers out in the desert. While he's there, he meets other teenagers, but specifically he meets Zero. Zero and Stanley become very, very good friends. Flash forward in the movie, they eventually get away from the detention center. And they know that there's this place up on God's thumb, this kind of mountain, big giant hill, where there's like vegetables up there and water in this dry area because it hasn't rained for a long time. And so they go there, but Zero hurts himself and Zero can't walk. So Stanley gets Zero and he puts him on his back and he takes Zero up the mountain. And they go up there and here's the water and here's the vegetables and everything like that. Now, I need to back up in the story to tell you why that is so significant. Because even though they never met each other till the detention center, they have a, an ancestry way in the past that knew each other, that met. See, Stanley, his family, nothing goes right. They are living under a curse, a literal curse, but the curse in Stanley's ancestry was placed upon the family by Zero's great, 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 great grandmother. She put the curse on Stanley's ancestor and everything went wrong. Everything. And the only way to undo the curse was that a descendant of the curse family, Stanley, had to carry this person who put the curse, their descendant, he had to carry this person on his back up a hill. And he carried him up the hill. And when he got up there, it reversed the entire curse. I mean, rain comes, you flash back to Stanley's family, and what never worked is now working, and things just change. But let me tell you the best part. Stanley who was convicted of stealing the tennis shoes. He never stole the tennis shoes. He never sinned. But he took the punishment. Zero stole the tennis shoes. He's the one who stole them. But Stanley, who was innocent, he comes and he picks up the one who's guilty and he carries him up the hill and he reverses everything reverses the curse and Jesus 
didn't steal the tennis shoes. He never sinned. And he comes and he puts all of us on his back, all of us who stole the tennis shoes, all of us who've sinned. And he carries our sins upon his body up to that hill in Calvary. And he dies on the cross and he sheds his blood, carrying all of our sins. They bury him, he rises from the dead, and he reverses the curse so that you and I could have an open door to salvation. Jesus did what no one else could do because he was the only sinless one. The only sinless one. He's the only one. All roads do not lead to God. Only the sinless sacrifice, Jesus, the God-man, only his way is the way. And today you got a decision. You have a decision to make if you've never made it. Jesus is the God-man. He's the one who came and died for our sins. He's the only one who could reverse it. But you have to acknowledge him. And you have to put your faith in him. And you've got to believe in him and surrender to him. So he can save you. So he can carry your sins away forever. So that your name can be recorded in heaven. And then you can know that and be assured of that. So if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, please, today is the day. This moment's the moment. Or if you backslid, you left, you left God. It's time to come back to God. It's time to live for Him. Now I want you to close your eyes, bow your head, and I'm going to ask you that question. you've never placed your faith in Jesus and you know today's the day to do it or you backslid you left Jesus Christ and you understand that you need to get back then today's the day so here's what I'm going to ask you if you'd like to put your faith in Christ or rededicate your life as a sign between you, me and God if you want to do that I want you to open up your eyes and look at me right now. Those who want to put their faith in Christ or rededicate their life. I'm going to look back at you. And when our eyes meet, you can close them. But do that right now. Now I'm going to say a prayer. And those who looked up at me, you're going to say it out loud after me. And every one of us in this room is going to say it with them. Now those who looked up at me, you just got to believe this. That Jesus is the only God. He's the God-man that he did come to earth as the God-man. He did carry your sins. They did kill him. His blood was shed to forgive you of those sins. He rose from the dead three days later. That's the gospel. That's the good news. To give you life. So, you have to believe that and surrender your life to Christ because he's the one who earned that right so here we go everyone repeat this prayer especially those who looked up at me all together now thank you Jesus for loving me for taking my place on that tree
forgive me of my sins. And I know I'm forgiven of all my sins. Thank you for saving me. Today I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. Now let me pray. God, I pray for everyone who looked up. Friend, you need to now follow Christ. Turn from sin. You now have the power living in you through the Spirit. Share Christ with others, what God has done. You need to start reading your Bible. Now, because the Spirit lives in you, you will have the ability to discern spiritual words, because that's what the Bible is, spiritual words. Jesus said so. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in the lobby at the Welcome Center. We have them by the prayer partners after service to the left here, to your right. Start reading New Testament. Stay right in there for a couple years. Get to know your Savior and the theology behind Him. But know that you know that you know that you're a saved person. And I pray for the rest of us in this room. Those of us who continuously doubt our salvation based on what we do or didn't do or may didn't get right or got right. No, you're saved by grace through faith in Christ. That's it. That's it. And then from there, you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Settle it. Settle it. We thank you, Lord, for this glorious day because it is a glorious day. We thank you that the angels in heaven rejoice over anyone who repents and comes to you. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, amen. amen. Stand up with me, everybody. Let me give a couple things before you exit. If you need any, if you need prayer for anything to my left or right, the prayer partners here, please take advantage of that. If you looked up at me, please, please take advantage of the prayer partner. They just want to pray with you for a second. Go talk to them. Just tell them, I gave my life to Christ or I rededicated my life. Take advantage of that. Get a better start than normal, okay? Because now you've switched teams and the enemy's going to go after you. That's just a fact. So please take advantage of that. Physical offering, you can drop it over in the boxes. We are now starting our candy drive for our trunk and treat, so you can start bringing candy. For us men, a week from tonight, not tonight, but a week from tonight, we have a horseshoe tournament at Pikes Peak Park. Almost sounds like Peter Pepper picked a pack of pickle pepper. Pikes Peak Park. And it's five bucks a guy for prizes. You gotta sign up online. Ladies, kick them out. Make them sign up. Get them out there to just enjoy fellowship with other guys. Amen? Other than that, you guys ready? Yep. Okay, good. I didn't forget. Lord, keep me outward focused and fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. Open up opportunities to minister outside the church because I see what I'm looking for and make me into a generous person like you. God bless you. If you looked up at me, go take advantage. Go talk to one of these people over. God bless you. Have a great day. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.